0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. Will you stand with me with a reading of the Word of God? We're in Psalm 33 and we're going to conclude the message that we started last week. The title of the message is God is in Control. This would be part two. We're going to start in verse 13. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We just pray that our hearts would be in tune to your spirit this morning. Lord, encourage us, strengthen us, empower us. Give us an unction, Lord, to do rather than to sit. Bless this time, we pray, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Fear is rampant. We went through a whole list last week. I'm not going to bore you with going over all the details. But really, we're learning that God is in control of the heavens. God is in control of the weather. God is in control of the nations. God is in control. Do you feel that in your own life that God is in control? It's important for us to take steps now to go forward in this new year, because this year is a year of change for a lot of people, for a lot of us. But it also still rises those fears that we can't seem to leave behind in the worldly sense. But you and I are different. It's time for us to change or make changes in our lives, to make sure that we too are learning to grow in what God has given to us, which we will go over. Notice something in verses 13 and 14. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. Right now, the world is trying to tell us that Christianity is a white man's religion. That is so far from the truth. Tell the people in China what's going on there, or in Iran, or in so many other places in this world, in Africa. This is not a white man's religion. I know you know that. But that's what the world wants to tell you. The world wants to split, especially in our nation, in races. And the fear that I went over the poll that was given, racism is 29%. The fear of racism. Hate crimes. 32%. Terrorism, 36%. But I want you to notice something. Look in verse 15. He, God, fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. God does not judge a person by their outward appearance. Samuel was told that when he was looking for the next king. God says, don't look at his outward appearance. I don't judge men by that. I judge them by their hearts. God sees every individual on this earth, and that, that should be a, a, an awe-inspiring, but a comfort to each of us. God knows you. God sees you in heaven. He knows your name, knows everything about you. We've talked about this many a times, but the world doesn't understand that. And see, there's such a comfort in that, knowing that God knows you, God sees you, God knows everything you're going through. God's not blind to it. And see, right now, the world is in a place where they feel like they're alone. That's why suicide is up so high. That's why even among the young, the young are being, if you will, bullied in their own schools. Stuff I've never even real. Really, the bullies that we had were not really bullies. Uh, They were usually something else. I won't get into that from California. We didn't really have fear toward individuals. Nowadays, that's... That's the state, is that people seem to gang up on, if you will, the sensitive ones. The quiet ones. The the happy ones. The ones that care for others. Sad. But again, that's the state we find ourselves in. But we understand that God sees us. God made us different, unique, each of us. Not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed. It's a very interesting thing, but it's a concept that's hard for us to grasp. That God is changing you into the image of his son, but he's not taking away from your personality. How does that work out? That's a God thing. Brian will still have that interesting sense of humor he has, even in heaven. Hopefully, he tains it down a little bit. And just like you. Just like me. So we see that God judges everyone from the heart. Not the skin, not the nation. Look at verse 16. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Right now we're living in a a world where people are building up armament. There's fear of war all around us. And there is war going on in Ukraine, in Israel, the Gaza Strip. But the fear of war from North Korea, the fear of war from China, the fear of war is all around us in Iran. The scary thing is, is they have nuclear weapons that can destroy humanity. If we just looked at that, then there's something to be afraid of. But we understand something. God is in control of this, too. Nothing can happen without God allowing it. Even though the world would let you know that they're in control, especially the elites, because we see that it's being compressed, that they're trying to do something. It's called globalism. And from the outside, you can understand it. If we could all just get together and just live in harmony with one another, there would be peace. But God says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. There is going to be no peace on this earth apart from God. That's why Jesus said, There will be wars and rumors of wars. Fear not. But what's interesting too is it's just not in in armament, but it's in wealth. See, it's the elites, if you will, that are trying to cultivate a government that they will actually be in control of the whole world. And this goes back, and it's not a conspiracy thing anymore, Because it used to be conspiracy. It's not. Because there are statements that are proven that this is their goal. And it's the very wealthy. It's the Rothschilds. And I know you probably don't even remember that name. But it's a name that actually is in control of a large bank in London. Or or it's the Rockefellers. And they're in control of a large bank in the Americas. Or it's George Soros. He's around us all the time. And if you will, if you notice what he is funding is, again, communism. 26% 26% of people are in fear of communism. But the thing is, is more are afraid of fascism. Dictator. And now we see how our country is divided. Because there's a fear that Trump's going to be a dictator. And there's a fear that the left is going to become communist. And because of this, we have no, if you will, harmony in our, our nation. But what's interesting, if you will, you can see how prophecy is being played out because there is going to be, if you will, a global communism. But as scripture says, is that there's no peace and harmony, that they need a dictator and out rises the Antichrist. So it's all playing into, if you will, the enemy's hands. But these are things that people are afraid of, whether it be the wars, whether it's the economy or it's technology. Technology is an interesting fear because here again is the fears of technology. Cyberism, or cyberterrorism, excuse me, corporate tracking of personal information, government tracking of personal information, robots replacing workforce, trusting artificial intelligence to do work, robots themselves, artificial intelligence itself, technology I don't understand. Fear, fear of the unknown. But fear, if you will, some of it is justified. Why? Because whenever man is in control of something, it's worth being afraid of. Because again, what's in the heart of man is to have power, to have riches, to have control. And if history has proven one thing, it's proven that man has none of these things. (laughs) Amen? Amen? But look at verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who hope in His mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Only God can deliver man out of His problems. Only God. God is in control of famine. God is in control of the economy. God is in control of His children. No, that's good to know, because look at our country, and as of last week, of course, it's interesting. If you go on it, you can go on, and I've got the website, forgive me, but you can actually go on the United States debt clock. And what's really unnerving, if you look at it in a human perspective, it's not a set number. The number is calculating every second. It's going up and up and up. Right now, we're at $34 trillion in debt with a population of 342 million. That means each person owes about $100,000. Now, now, if we to focus on just the economy, then there's something to be afraid of. And if you will, let me go over a few of these things. The fear that people have by looking at the economy. are afraid that not having enough money for retirement. 48% high medical bills. 48% being unable to pay the rent or the mortgage. 40% never paying off debts. Losing your job, 31%. The stock market, 24%. Crashing, I should have said. Now, if we focus on these things, there's a lot to be afraid of. And again, if we focus on the eggheads that are telling us what's going to happen and what's not going to happen, again, either our hopes go up or our fears rises. But see, you and I are not supposed to have our eyes on the clock of debt or what they call the end of the world with the climate change or whatever, the wars of nuclear... None of those things... None of those things should move us. Why? Because God is the one that's in control of all things. And it's time for you and I to settle this in our hearts and minds. Yes, we don't know the future. We don't know what's going to happen. But we know the God that's in control of the future. And for that is what we have to really focus our minds on for the rest of our lives. Because if you think it's ever going to go back to a normal, it's never going to. It's not. It's not. As history has proven, when the cat gets out of the bag, it's awful hard to stuff the cat back in the bag. And what that means, I have no idea. But you get the meaning. The door has been open. We have technology that is running. And with man, it usually runs amok. And if we focus on the man that has his hand on the button to push to something, then fear should rise. But that's not true for you and I. It should not be true for any of us to contemplate on these things. Yes, be abreast of them. And I will, as we go on this year, every once in a while, I'll throw something out there with the news, what's going on. Not to scare us. Help us to understand and realize something, that time is drawing short on this world. Why? Because man will not be allowed to destroy himself. Because God has to judge this world. You and I, if you will, there's three things here for all of us to grab hold of this morning. Every one of us. If we grab hold of these things, then we can look up and know that our redemption draws near. And not to be afraid, but if you will, maybe even make changes so that God can change others around us, through us. The hope that is in us. Reminding you, because most of you are parents, those are not your children. Those are on loan to you. Those are God's children. You continue to lead them in the faith. You let God deal with their souls. But notice this. Three things I want you to look at. And we'll go through it real quick and then we'll come back. Look at verse 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in the Lord because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us. Just as we hope in you. Did you catch it? Three things. Wait on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Now, that word wait in verse 20, it means to wait for, long for, to wait in ambush, which means you would be alert You would be anticipating. You would be ready. Picture yourself in ambush. You know, Jed's got all the lights off. He's waiting for Melissa to go around that corner to jump and scare her. So he waits and waits. He's not falling asleep because he knows any minute she's going to come around that corner. And there's just something that Jed just thrills when he scares her that she jumps up And screams and then slugs him. I don't know why he likes it. Actually, I think I'm talking about myself, aren't I? Okay, well, let's use Jed because I can get in trouble. So Jed waits with anticipation. He's alert. He's listening. He's ready. And then when Melissa steps out, he steps out. Screams and yells and she's scared. And she yells and screams. Then she slugs him. Are we ready? Because, see, really, in the grammar, what this means is, it speaks of an intense or intentional action. I'm ready. I'm waiting. Notice that God helps. God is the only one that can help. He brings aid, support, deliverance. He's a shield or protection. The theological word book of the Old Testament says this the book of Daniel about this word the book of Daniel closes with a blessing for those who would wait for the fulfillment of the prophecies in Daniel twelve twelve and Hab two three urges believers to wait for the vision though it tarries. The Lord declares, wait for me in Zephaniah three eight. Are we with anticipation? Are we ready? Are we on high alert for his return? In 2 Peter chapter 2, or excuse me, chapter 3, I'm going to read this to you. And it's going to be somewhat long, so bear with me. If you want to turn there with me, you can. I'm not going to do much commenting on it because it basically speaks for itself. In verse 3 of 2 Peter chapter 3, it says this. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water, (coughs) excuse me, standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for the fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with a fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven, a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. The reason I read that whole thing, because if you will, that's the state we're in right now. Because as we see prophecy being, if you will, being fulfilled, and if you will, at the Just at the cliff, there's a clock that people have. It's called the in-time clock. The world has it, and Christians have it. Now, back in the 50s, when the nuclear scare was, they had it two minutes to midnight. It was thought, and I can't really verify this, but there's some evidence towards this. But the reason Russia got the nuclear bomb was because it was leaked out to them, given to them. Why? Because those that had it felt like it was wrong for one power to have so much power. That it had to be divided. Then the fear is, is that, again, you have two opposing ideologies. That one of the other was going to push a button during the Cold War. Because of that, there was such a great fear that the world was going to end. And I can tell you something, back in the sixties when I was in elementary school, we did something. It was called Duck and Cover. And it was in anticipation of either a nuclear war or an earthquake within California. And we would get under our desk and have to tuck our heads on our knees. Was that going to do any good? No. I always noticed the teacher never got down on her knees or his knees under their desk. In fact, they probably enjoyed the quietness. (laughs) It just told you stay there until you hear the second bell. That was the fear. And it's been the fear ever since. Now there's terrorist groups that have it. Or do they? There should be great fear in the world. But not for us. God's in control. And all this is heading towards a truth. Just as I said, God will not allow man to destroy himself. But God will judge this world. For those that do not know Christ, they're the ones that should be afraid. You and I? No. We wait with anticipation for his return. In 1 Thessalonians, it says this. Chapter 5, verse 6 through 8. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as the helmet of hope, salvation. In Psalm 37, 7-9, through 9, it says, Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him. Do not fret. Because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evil do- doers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the year. So we are to wait with anticipation. For who? Hebrews chapter 10, 9, 28. So Christ is offered once to better the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time. As we see these things happen around us again, where's our sinner? Is it Christ? Or is it the world? Is it my plans or is it his plans? His purpose or my purpose? His will? My will. If I look to myself or others, then I'm going to be depressed, oppressed, not at rest. But I look to him, I will be at rest. I'm waiting with anticipation. Every time I hear something happening that draws us closer, I say, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. And soon and very soon, as a song I remember singing with my grandmother before. Pretty, long, pretty much longer she passed on to the other world. But soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Are you ready? Am I ready? But we're to wait with great alertness in great anticipation. Next word I want you to look at is trust. Look again, verse twenty-one. Oh, you know what? Let me say this too. Can I say one more verse? Listen to this. It's in First Thessalonians 1.10. And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus. Listen, who delivers us. Please listen, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Whose wrath? God's wrath. God will judge this earth. Look at verse 21. For our heart shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in His holy name. That word trust means to trust. To be confident. To be bold. To be secure. Secure in who? God. In His name. What does that imply? It means His fame. We were just singing about that. His renown, His reputation, His character. Trusting God daily and in His holy name, God is being attacked daily right now about His character. How could God do these things? How could the Father send His Son to die? How can God allow all the evil in the world? How can God, and the list goes on and on, or they just say He's not existent? He's not even applicable. He's not real. That He is wrong, or He's wrong in His Word. He's wrong in His character. How can He send anybody to hell? He's wrong in His plans. He's wrong in His purpose. That he can't have, he does not have the power to do. That's why he doesn't do. But you and I know differently. You and I understand that God does have a name, and it is renown. That His character is perfect, and what He does is right and just and pure, full of love and compassion. Is our God. We understand these things. We know that these things are true. So we can go with the security and the confidence that whatever happens around us, again, life is short. No, it's fleeting. No, as David said, it's but vapor. Your time on this earth is not for you to calculate. It's not for me either. Your time on this earth is in His hands. And the sooner that we grasp that... The sooner we will be free from trying to pursue things that just end in emptiness. It's trusting in God and his character, trusting in God, his word, trusting in God, his plans, his purpose, and he is all powerful for he spoke and the world existed. That's our God. Now, let's go with the Psalms, will we? Let's do it. Listen, I'm going to read off of several of them. In Psalm 118,8 through9, it says, "It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princesses." Princes. I didn't mean princesses. Princes. Psalm 9:10, "And those who know your name will put their trust in you, know your character. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. In Psalm 56, 3-4, it says, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise His word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? In Psalm five eleven, it says, But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who love your name be joyful in you. Why? Because it's your character. It's who you are. Remember I said God knows you? God knows us individually. God also has us protected. Each one of us has a purpose on this earth. And that purpose is going to be fulfilled. And when that purpose is fulfilled, it's time to go home. We always think, oh no, that's a punishment. No, if you will, it's, it's retirement from the stress and the strain of the world. It's time for the inheritance to be given. It's it's time for you to go on to your new true citizenship with Him. Seeing Him face to face. See, we've put a mindset in, in America Christianity that it's now. This is life now. Get all you can. Pray it. Believe it. Name it. Claim it. Nab it and grab it. It's so far from the truth. The reality is, is this is not our home. This is a place again for work. A different kind of work. A work that we'll never do again for the rest of our lives. Not only through the stress and strain of life, but also for the witness. Our God can't be trusted. That God is with us always. And to say, as Job said, even though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Because this is not my home. He has a place for me. He has a place of an inheritance that I can't even imagine. And Ephesians one 13 through 13-14 says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. What are you living for? What am I living for? Especially as we see the clock winding down. What is it that keeps us motivated on this earth so? Something for all of us to think about. Because really, we must wait for Him because the time is near. But we must trust him as we see things happening around us that, if you will, could be very frightful. But we trust him. Trust him with our lives. We trust him with our wives. We trust him with our children. We trust him with our grandchildren. We trust him with our jobs. We trust him with the economy, the way that it is that he'll provide for us. We trust Him in all things. And for some of you young, for the right mate. For where you go from now. Please don't misunderstand me. In all these things, remember, it's not to sit and wait. Remember, it's to be alert. But it's to be at work. It's to live. To take what God has given us and do the best we can with it. But also trusting Him with the things that go beyond us. To be faithful in what God's given us. But also to trust Him who is faithful. To live! As it says in Nehemiah, with one hand they had the plow, trow, excuse me, the other hand the sword. The trowel was to work the wall, the sword was for protection. And if you will, it's the same mindset of man, for us as believers, I mean. What is that? With one hand we're working, but with the other hand, with the other eye, we're looking up. It's coming. So, we wait, we trust. The last one, verse 22, Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you. That word mercy is loving kindness, goodness, favor, pity. Or as Lamentation said, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Even that you gotta say amen to. God's, in, God's the one providing, that God's loving kindness towards us. It's God that does, gives all good things to his children. But we hope. That word hope" means to wait with expectation of goodness of God. God is always good. He's the one that has given us hope. Hope to live on this earth. Again, you have a purpose on this earth. God has a plan for your life. And sometimes we think that if we don't have a great, great platform or a great work to do, that it's meaningless. But, as Jesus showed over and over again, he always picked out the person that nobody else noticed. Take comfort in that. Because I don't see too many wise here. I don't see too many mighty. I don't see too many wealthy. I don't see too many famous. But what I do see is a group of people that God knows intimately our hope is in him again if you will the verb here or the grammar excuse me is again an intensive or an intentional action my hope is in god not in my abilities my hope is in god not in my situation my hope is in god not in my abilities my hope is in god not my dreams Because see, when your hope is in God, then you never, ever, ever will lose. That you have everything. Eye has not seen nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. So where's our hope? Is it in man? Oh, silliness of us. Is it in my ability? Is it in my circumstances that are good now, but maybe not later? In Psalm 62, 5-7, it says, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation, my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Jeremiah 17 says this, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. In 1 Peter 1.13, says this, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ. See, we as believers that believe it or not, it sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Is that you must believe in one simple thing. That he's coming back for you. How should we live? As we see all these things happening around us, how should we live? As the world is full of fear, how should we live? As the world hates us, how should we live? Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's your treasure? It's mine. the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? Where's your hope? Who are you trusting? What are you waiting for? Oh, that deal comes in, I tell you what. That job comes up, I'll tell you what. Oh, once my kids are out of the house, I'll tell you what. What are you waiting for? What is it? The job? The spouse? What are you? Then we have to ask ourselves these questions this year as I really believe that this is going to be a powerful year for this country because of the elections and other things. Are you too busy for God? How are you actively building up your faith? Tomorrow. Manana. How do you exercise it? See, to wait means you're anticipating. To trust is that you're trusting the one that you're anticipating. To hope is not wishful thinking, but is the expectation of, "I, oh, he's coming back. I'm going home.
1: Oh, I don't want to go home.
0: I tease my kids all the time about dying, like I did last week. May I say something to you all? Before I forget, I made a mistake last week. And I have to confess this to you. The people that left, I talked to. They had a schedule that they were meeting. They didn't leave because of anything I said. So forgive me. I jumped to a conclusion. I read the room wrong. Now, that aside, you can throw tomatoes at me later. Let me finish this. This year, again, is there's a sign around the world that's saying, "Be afraid. Be afraid." And the elites are saying, "We've got this. We got this." Whether it's through technology, whether it's through medicine, whether it's through governance. They say they got this. Like the Bible says, I will not trust any man. My dad used to say something. Boy, I trust you as far as I can throw you. Which was kind of interesting. He was a big guy. He could have thrown me pretty far. And I forgot where I was going with that. It was an important point, though. What's that? It's what? Important to hear. Important year. Thank you, Brian. And what I appreciate that is you didn't do it with sarcasm. I thank you for that, Brian. Now, it is an important year. And it's not just this year. But really, it's every year from here on. Because things can change Rapidly. Are you ready? Again, don't think that I'm saying go get in a bomb shelter. That's that's not our thing. Though there's some wisdom in preparing for catastrophes. I do recommend that you do get some food. Not not because of listen. Not because the world's going to come to an end, but if certain things do happen, there may be uh, well. The dollar bill is on its way out, folks. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's just a matter of time. It's kind of a global thing. They're trying to get to digital. And when that happens, the banks are gonna close. Look, this isn't for fear. I'm not doing this for fear. This is just for your purpose. Go get some, go get a bag of rice. It was only 10 bucks for a big 20 pound bag. Get some dry food. That's all. Just get a few bags. Get some water. Put it in the, put it somewhere. Just in case. But putting that aside, anything can happen at any time, but that's not what we're looking at. We're trusting God. He's got this. He's got it under control. And for us, again, how am I living my life? As we come to this new year People like to do resolutions. And if you will, if you're like me, you start off with good intentions, but they always seem to fall away inside, right? But I'm not asking you to put yourself in, in really in goals that are unattainable. What I am suggesting is, what is it, though, that you can do to make yourself not so busy so that you can seek the Lord, that you can strengthen your faith and your trust in Him, That you can walk and hope with great expectation that He's coming soon. So you can be one of those that are rejoicing even though the world may seemingly be falling apart because you know Him who really does hold it all together. And really, if you will, even that suggestion of food may be not for you, but your neighbor that just needs a cup of rice. But still, the focus is, is God has this under control. Amen? What can you do? What is it you're too busy for? Is there a study you can go to? Men, we're starting in two weeks. I'll head you up. We're still trying to decide the day. We're going to go through the book of Ecclesiastes. What would keep you from coming? if not this study what other study what is it you can do to put your heart and mind in god's word what can you do to continue to be with like-minded people what excuses will you give this year now in saying all that it sounds like i'm really i'm pointing at you and there's three pointing at me too I've already done my own soul searching because you, you have to realize when I do these studies, I'm the first one the Lord's pulling me to the side and go, okay, let's talk about this. You got something here too. So it's not so much that. It's just understanding what is it. As we, as a body of believers, I love you guys. I, you know what? I tell people all the time, this is such the least dramatic church I've ever had. I'm very thankful for that. And I see so much, so much, really, if you will, people that are mature in their faith, walking with the Lord. So now let me challenge you with this. Start praying that the Lord just doubles our size. With like-minded people, because they're out there. They have no place to fellowship. Start praying daily for this body to grow. Just double in size with like-minded people. But put the focus more on your relationship with Christ more than ever this year. With that, I'm looking at the clock and saying, I better stop. You stand. Father, I just thank you for this group of people who love you, Lord, and put you first in their lives. Lord, we know that each one of us need to look at our our lives and see what we're doing or not doing to cultivate our relationship with you. It is a day-to-day thing. And really, this is not anything to keep us in fear as we look at these things, but really to understand who we really trust, who we're waiting on, and our hope. Our hope is in you. And Lord, we just thank you that you are faithful in all these things. You are faithful with the work that you are doing in our lives and our hearts. And we give you the praise and the glory. We rejoice in you, God. We rejoice that you are a God beyond circumstances. That you're a God that's beyond our weaknesses. That you're a God beyond the plans of man. That you're the God that keeps this world really together. So thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in and through this world, but also in and through us. Lord, help us to make commitments to you that are attainable, but help us also to pursue you, to know you, and understand that only you can give us the strength to do these things. Help us to have a fervency for you. I pray for each one here that they would have a fervency for you. I pray for myself that I would have a fervency for you. I pray, Lord, that you would equip us, that you would teach us, that you would use us in this world, Lord. We thank you for with great anticipation that day that we will see you face to face. But in the meantime, Lord, we pray that you would use this body for your purpose, for a light to shine on a hill. Lord, we pray for the churches in Lincoln. For those that stand with You, Lord, I pray that You would strengthen them as they stand by Your Word. For those that have fallen away from Your Word, I pray that You would convict them and bring them back. Let the church once again be united in Christ Jesus above and beyond all things with the teaching of Your Word and the power of Your Holy Spirit in and through us. Bless, Lord, as everyone has started thinking about ways that they can draw near to you. I pray that you would help them to implement it and give them the strength to carry it out. And may you be honored, may you be glorified, and may your will be done in and through all of us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.